open your Bible to the first chapter of um, Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. We're studying through this book of Colossians and uh, just almost uh, phrase by phrase you will discover it this evening as we continue thinking about uh, what I want to call your pastor's prayer for you. These are some things that I pray um, on a somewhat regular basis for our church family and for you in particular. And it's always been a privilege of mine to pray for so many of our folks uh, by name every day. Uh, today I was looking over the letters that I had received and, and um, I tell you, I'm just so blessed when you folks write to tell me what God's doing in your life. And uh, uh, I got a letter today. In fact, somebody was telling me about the way God had been blessing his dollar that they, even from Sunday. And I looked back here and I saw Karen and uh, I was thinking, Karen, just a few days ago, I got her prayer letter. You see Karen, she comes in, she has that walker and that oxygen with her. And what you probably don't know is Karen came to know the Lord a couple years ago now. And um, I, I wouldn't have given you, um, I wouldn't, I, I just didn't believe that, that, that she was gonna trust the Lord because what I was trying to share with her, people kept walking in between us and roller skate, literally roller skating in between us and uh, dogs were running in between us. And if there'd been some cats I'd have left, but there were no, none of those. And they were, there was all kinds of, of goings on, television was on and uh, yet Karen received the Lord as her savior. And she was telling me in her prayer letter how, um, you know, she has a, uh, an illness. Her body doesn't make a certain kind of an enzyme and um, it is this kind of thing that ultimately takes people's lives. I mean, there's no reverse for it. And uh, you can check it, the damage that's done, but I mean, as far as doctors know, there's just no reverse for it. And she was telling me how recently, I think I got all my facts here straight, Karen. You probably tell this better than me, but uh, that as she was... Um, uh, she was on the floor on her elbows and then trying to sit, just trying to get air with about 30% capacity in her lungs that the Lord told her to start singing. And uh, she's been singing and singing praises to the Lord. And um, all of a sudden, her body, after all these years, has started making that enzyme right. And she's singing in the choir and she's riding an airdyne. And she's uh, uh, went to the doctors and I think... Uh, Am I right, Karen, that this thing, instead of 30%, now you've got 40% capacity back in your lungs, 45% now capacity back in her lungs. And you know, when your pastor reads letters like that, I just put them down and cry. You know, I think I took that one down to Brother Don, didn't I? With, along with a book of poetry, some poems that God, you know, here's a brand new believer and God's at work in her life. And I just, I just thank God for the fact that he is a prayer hearing, prayer answering God, don't you? I mean, just wonderful. Know that the Lord, Lord hears our prayers and we don't pray to get his attention. We pray because we already have his attention as his children. Now, what are my prayers for you? Well, stand with me if you will, please. I'm not going to pray them while you're standing, but uh, notice there in verse nine of Colossians chapter one, the second part of that verse says, we do not cease to pray for you. And notice what his prayers are. These are my prayers for you. First of all, that you be filled with the will of God. He says, we desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. My second prayer is that you'd be faithful in your walk, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. My third prayer, that you might be fruitful in your work, fruitful 
in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And my fourth prayer for you is that you might be fervent in your warfare, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. And uh, some of you may have that phrase with joyfulness attached to the next phrase, with joyfulness giving thanks. But notice verses 12 and 13, which are the text for the message this evening. Here's the final thing that I pray for you, and that is that you would be frequent in your worship. Now, that doesn't mean just frequent in your attendance. I'm speaking to the Wednesday night crowd. Uh, but it means frequent in your actual practice of worship to God. I certainly hope you worship the Lord more than Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday evening. And so you should be frequent in your worship. Now notice what he says, and these are the verses we'll focus our attention upon in the next few moments. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Frequent in your worship. In the next few moments, I want to share with you some things your heavenly Father has done for you that ought to make you want to fall upon your knees and worship Him. As we think about the frequency of our worship, Father, our prayer is that you would indeed cause us to frequently worship you, to just pause time and again through the day and just ask you, Heavenly Father, to hear and acknowledge and to receive our prayer of gratitude for all that you have done for us. Father, I thank you for the testimony of your blessing, the joy that it is to serve you, the joy that it is to be a part of a church where you are at work in your mighty power. And uh, I pray these things in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now be seated, if you will, please. But keep your Bible open to Colossians, especially verses 12 and 13, as we think about the frequency of worship. Now, let me just tell you that worship is something that God calls us to do. He calls us by His Spirit, but His very nature calls us to worship Him. In other words, who He is prompts us to worship Him as well as what He has done. Sometimes we think of worship as being adoring Him for who He is. Sometimes we call that even praise. And we call thanksgiving, thanking Him for what He has done. Sometimes we refer to Brother Don as our minister of worship and praise here at First Southern because we, when we get together, we want to worship the Lord. We want to praise the Lord. But worship is that which happens when all that is within us bows in love, adoration, thanksgiving, praise, awe. It bows, all that's within us bows before all that is within God. I mean, we just, in His presence, we must bow before Him. Whether we bow in our actual physical stature or, or, or not is not the issue so much, and although sometimes we do that, is that our spirit within us just bows in His presence because He is the one we acknowledge as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is preeminent in all the universe. That is going to be the subject of the message this Sunday morning, the preeminence of Christ. But to worship the Lord... Now, what is it that the Lord has done for me? What has the Lord done for you that causes us to want to worship Him, to, to love Him, to adore Him, to, to thank Him? Well, the Apostle Paul mentions three things in these two verses, verses 12 and 13. 
and I want you to look at them, and we're going to look at them in not necessarily in exactly reverse order, but it, yeah, it, it, it is reverse order. We're going to start down at the bottom of verse 13, and notice here he says, he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. The first part of that verse says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. And then notice in verse 12, he said, we give thanks unto the Father who has made us meet or equipped us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. Now, I want you to, to circle with me these phrases one at a time, and I'll explain them. First of all, circle the first part of verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And what you might want to do down there beside that verse or that phrase is write these words. He has given us escape from the power of darkness. He has given us escape from the power of darkness. Now, look, look at me just for a moment, if you will. This word that is used here in this verse of Scripture, we translate it deliver, is one of the more interesting words in the New Testament. It is not a word that is often uh, used uh, uh, for deliver or save, um, but it, it's, a, it's an unusual word. And it's a word which means that someone has reached out and not just picked you up or drawn you out of an elephant, uh, of an element that is drawing you to your death, but it's someone here who has reached out and pulled you unto himself. Now, that's very important. What he's saying here, he has extracted you from the clutches, from the dominion, from the authority of darkness. He hasn't just pulled you out and set you free and say, good job, I hope you do, I hope you do well at life. He has literally drawn you from the authority of darkness unto himself. And so he has given us escape from the powers of darkness. He has extracted us from darkness, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bigger meaning than that. He has drawn us to himself. And the word that's used for power here literally is a word which speaks of the power that comes because of authority. And did you know that until you receive Christ by faith as your Savior, until you come to know Christ. You are under the authority. You are under the dominion of the prince of darkness, Satan himself. There's a sense in which that all the Bible tells us all that is within us, all that is within us is tainted with sin. And we are literally sold. We are bond slaves of sin. We are sold under darkness. And darkness is a word which the Bible often uses to describe what it's like to be a non-believer. Light is often used to describe what it's like to be a believer in Jesus. Now, you get into a dark room, and you'll discover that not only can you not find your way, you'll be disoriented. Things will not seem to you as they really are. Uh, things that are small can seem very big in a darkened, darkened room. Uh, and so, darkness is a word that in the Scripture is often used to describe the works of the devil, the kingdom of evil. And so, what he's saying here is this, that until you know Jesus Christ, you are living in darkness. You are under the authority. You are in the power. You are in the clutches of darkness. 
And one of the things that God has done through, with, for us through Jesus Christ, He has provided deliverance. He has brought to us escape. He has drawn us not just out of darkness, but He's drawn us out of darkness unto Himself. He is the light of the world, the Bible says. And so He has delivered us from the powers of darkness. I was visiting with someone about what it meant to them to know Jesus Christ. And uh, here's what this man said. He said, you can't know how dark my life was. Now, I never read to him any uh, words from the Bible that talked about sin and darkness. But he said, you cannot know how dark my life was. This was his word, a brand new believer in Christ, unfamiliar with the scripture. He said, everything about me was, was characterized by darkness. And I said, what do you mean? He said, it seemed as if there was just a cloud in my life. He said, it seemed that, that I was not really um, a person who even liked bright light. He said, I didn't like sunlight, didn't like the daytime. He said, most of what I did, I did surreptitiously under the cover of darkness. He said, when the evening came, he said, I was one of those night people. He said, I just, I'd go out. He said, and, and under cover of darkness, I'd go from one bar to the next. He said, I would go from one foul deed into the next. He said, it seemed my, like my whole life was in darkness. I said, well, what's it like knowing Christ? He said, it's totally different. It's light. He said, to, he said I don't want to be, you know, canned in what I'm about to say, but he said, it's like somebody turned a light on in my brain. Now, when you receive Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior, one of the things that happens to you is that he provides escape. He draws you out from darkness unto himself. Now, I don't know about you, but when somebody does that, when somebody provides that kind of deliverance for me, I want to worship that person. I want to, do, I, I want to fall at that person's feet and express my love to them. I um, remember reading about a, an event that took place in, in England many uh, years ago when they were having a hearing in a court to decide who would gain the custody of a young boy. Now, this young boy had uh, been living with a man who was his uh, grandfather. But there was another family in this town in England um, who knew about this boy, and the man was very well off, and the lady had not had any children, and they thought they could provide for this child so much better than his grandfather could. His grandfather lived in a very humble dwelling place, and and um, couldn't provide very much for the boy. At least they thought he couldn't provide very much for the boy. And so uh, they were having a hearing, and each of these people were to tell the judge why they felt they ought to have possession of the boy. And uh, so this family got up, and they said, you know, we've got all the money in the world, and we can provide a wonderful home, and we need a child, and we're young, and this boy is young, and why in the world should he live with an old man? And, and after all, what's he got to offer him? And, and we believe we have every right. And the little boy was sitting there, and he was watching them, and he was really keenly interested in, in what they were saying. But it was obvious that he, he really wasn't convinced that he ought to go live with them. And so the judge turned to his grandfather, and he said, uh, he said, do you have any, uh, anything to recommend to yourself that, that you ought to be the one who has custody of this child? And all the grandfather did was raise up his hands, just like this. He just raised up his hands. His hands were terribly scarred. They were deformed and, and uh, uh, just almost grotesque looking. 
And the judge said, well, sir, you go ahead and speak. And he just held his hands up like that. And um, to which uh, the young boy then responded. He said, well, don't you know, sir? And he said, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, well, don't you know why it is that I'm an orphan? And the judge said, well, let me, let me just look through here. And he began to go back and review the facts. And sure enough, his parents had died in a fire. And he said, well, my grandfather is the one who, who climbed up the guttering on the house, which was just red hot, and reached inside the window on the second floor and, and rescued me and then came down the outside, the iron grating and the guttering. And that's why his hands are so horribly burned. He said, sir, he said, I must be with my grandfather because I know he loves me so much. Now, how did the little boy know that that grandfather loved him? Because he had given himself for him. Now, I don't want to use this word carelessly, but I would say that the boy probably worshiped the very ground that the grandfather walked on. Now, the Lord Jesus has delivered me. He has extracted me. He has brought escape for me from the powers of darkness. He did more than that. He brought me unto himself out of the clutches of darkness. When he died on the cross and when he came into my life, when I trusted him, he delivered me. I worship the very ground he walks on. I want to worship him. I want to be frequent in my worship because he has brought escape to me from the powers of darkness. All right, there's a second word that I would like for you to remember, and that's the word entry. He has given us entry into the kingdom of his dear son. Notice here, verse 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, once again, I think it's important for you and for me to understand about this word translated. Now, I don't want to, uh, I, I don't want to be so, so casual here about this illustration that you think that what Jesus has done for us is anything like in form uh, what happens on Star Trek. But at the same time, there is something that happens. Uh, if you've ever watched Star Trek, uh, you know they'll get in this little machine here and they'll say, beam me up, Scotty. And it's a particle generator, I think. And, uh, and so all of a sudden this person just starts, you know, disintegrating right there. And then the next thing you know, they're on Mars or they're back in the spaceship or, you know, they've been moved from one place where they were to another place where they really are. Amazing thing. And um, yet the, the idea is the same. When the Bible says that he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, it means that you, prior to salvation, are literally a citizen of the world. You are, you are, so, you are literally a citizen. You, your citizenship is that which will, which will ultimately cause you to spend forever in hell. You are not a citizen of the kingdom of God. Your citizenship is in this world, and all that is in this world is sin. When Christ comes into your heart, now it's not like a particle generator. That's why I said I don't want to be too flip or casual about this. But what happens quite simply is that that which you once were, you cease to be, and you become something else that you never were. You were a citizen of this world sold under sin. 
enslaved under sin, in the dominion of sin. That was your citizenship, ultimately destined to hell. Suddenly that which you were, you are no longer, and you've become something that you, that you were not. You have become literally a citizen of the kingdom of God. The word translated, what does this word translated mean? Well, when you translate uh, from one language to the other, you take a thought which is in this language, and you put the same thought into another language. Well, here you are. You are here in this earth. You are a citizen of sin, the kingdom of sin, and suddenly you have been translated and you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so what does it say here? He has delivered us from the power of darkness. In fact, he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, that word that's there used, dear is agape, his, his loved son, his beloved son. He has translated you into that kingdom and you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were living as a believer, maybe even a Jewish believer, during the days of the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. And you were, as some people were and did, you were desperately seeking an escape from what you knew would be an ultimate death in a concentration camp someplace. You knew that's how you were going to end up. You knew they were going to come to your street, your ghetto, your home, there was no escape. And so here you are, you are out on the road, you are doing everything you know to do to escape. And someone pulls up beside you, an automobile, and said, look, I want to help you. And within a matter of hours, you find yourself not as a citizen in that, in that country, but you are now out of that country, and in fact, you have in your hands documents that tell you that you are a citizen of another country where you can be absolutely free. How, how would you feel about that person driving that car? What would, you, what would you do to that person? You said, man, I tell you what, I would, I'd write that person. I'd serve that person. I would do everything I can to let that person know that I appreciated them. Well, let me tell you, don't you understand that, that being a citizen sold under sin is a thousand times worse than even being in the Holocaust in Germany. It is forever in hell. And the father comes along and says, hey, would you like to get out of that? Would you like to have your citizenship in heaven? Would you like to change papers? I will deliver you, I'll pull you unto myself, then I will translate you into the same country, same citizenship as my son. What would you want to do? Man, I tell you what, you, again, you say, I want to worship him. I just want to praise him. I want to thank him for doing that. How can I express my gratitude to someone for doing that? Well, that's one of the things that make you want to be frequent in your worship. Not only has, you, has he delivered you, brought escape to you, but he has entered you into his kingdom. You're a citizen of his kingdom. Now, one final thing. 
that'll make you want to worship the Lord. He not only puts you in his kingdom, but he also equips you. Notice verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet. That word meet or sufficient literally is the word equipped, who has equipped us with power adequate to perform all of our duties as saints in light. Now, we speak about saints. Let me tell you that when the Bible speaks about saints, it speaks of it in the plural. All believers in Christ are saints. That doesn't mean that we necessarily act saintly all the time. But every believer in Christ, the, collectively we were spoken of as a part of the saints of God. You say, man, it's one thing for him to deliver me and to bring me unto himself. That just makes me want to worship the Lord. It's another thing for him to make me a permanent part of his kingdom. That makes me want to worship the Lord even more. But in this kingdom, what a wonderful thing that he equips me and makes it possible, gives me the power to perform all that I need to perform as a member of his kingdom, as one of the saints in this new kingdom of light. He has equipped me. I have escape. I have entry. I have equipment to perform all that is expected of me as a saint. You know, it's an interesting thing that most, most places where you go to work don't give you everything that you need. Some of it they'll say, well, that's just in you. We'll give you some basic equipment, but you've got to prove yourself. Or they say, we'll give you training, but what you do with your training is going to make the difference. They try their best to give you equipment and training and everything. But someplace along the way, there's going to be, you know, they're going to say, you know, we expect a little more. We want a little more. I'll tell you one thing about the kingdom of God. God never expects from you what he does not equip you for. Never. There's not anything God ever asks for you that he does not equip you for. He gives you everything that you need everything that you need. Which ought to make you want to fall on your knees before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to worship you. You have brought me escape from darkness. You have entered me as a citizen of your kingdom of light, and you have equipped me to do all that I need to do as one of the saints. I can do everything a believer ought to do. I have no excuse. Causes to worship the Lord. Look what he's done for you. Look what he's done for you. Doesn't that make you want to worship him? I uh, had an interesting experience. Some years ago, our family went over to uh, Fort Chaffee in Arkansas, and uh, we had heard that there were a lot of Vietnamese refugees over there. And so um, we uh, went over there and we, we, we signed up. We said, we want, we want sponsor some of these people. And so uh, we met a man and his wife and she had a little girl and, and her brother, the wife's brother. And um, oh, it was a wonderful thing. And pretty soon we were in the car and we're all driving to our home and, and we clear everything out of our living room and make some little makeshift things and put beds in there. And these folks come to live with us. And this is an interesting thing. The lady has never even cooked inside before in her life. And, and uh, so they came to live with us. And, you know, uh, it was the least any of us could do, right? And so there was nothing noble about that. But, and we'd get up early in the morning, at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'd take them to their jobs because that was the only job they could get then and, and uh, make their breakfast for them and come back and pick them up about the middle part of the day. And, 
And um, pretty soon, you know, God would just begin to bless that relationship. And apart from coming to know the Lord Jesus and becoming a part of our church, well, well then uh, there was an education and then there was a home and, and um, job and other businesses. And, and I'm telling you, I mean, it's just a, a, the all-American success story now. I mean, just wonderful, own a couple of restaurants. and Anyway, big story. I want to tell you this. Not a year goes by that I don't receive a phone call on the very same day that we went over and brought them out of Fort Chaffee. Even when we were living in Africa, my phone rang. Sir, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. And I thought to myself so often, you know, if that man just being, you know, taken out of the living environment of a fort uh, over in Arkansas and brought to a home and given an opportunity, if he can be that grateful to me for doing really nothing, how much more grateful I ought to be to my Heavenly Father who has brought me escape from the powers of darkness and has entered me in as a citizen in His kingdom and given me everything that I needed, everything that I needed to do everything that He wanted. That makes me want to worship God. That makes me want to worship God. I'm going to ask you to stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed. We'll come now to invitation time, and I'm going to ask our praise singers to come here to the uh, platform. And in a few moments, they're going to help us as we sing a chorus of invitation, your invitation to come and say yes to the Lord. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And Father, I pray, trusting that your Holy Spirit will just take your word, drive it home to our hearts, change us, Lord, through what you have spoken to our hearts this evening. And I pray it in Jesus' wonderful and matchless and saving name. And while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, it occurs to me that tonight in this service there are people who would say, I don't know what it's like to be brought out of the kingdom of darkness and to escape that and be entered into the rolled book of God's forever family. And I don't know what it's like to have all the equipment that I need for life and to please God, but I want to know that. Listen, you can know that because all this comes through redemption. That is trusting Jesus as your Savior, asking Him to come into your life. And I want to encourage you, wherever you're standing right now, when we sing in a few moments, make your way to an aisle, make your way forward, find one of these counselors and say, look, I want to trust Jesus tonight. You know what he was talking about? I want that to be my experience as a teenager, as an adult, a grandparent, single person, married, family. We want to experience, I want to experience what it's like to be rescued and planted in God's family. I want that. I want it. And I would encourage you to come tell one of these counselors. I'll tell you that Jesus who died on the cross for you and who rose from the grave and is alive today will come into your heart. In less time than it takes for me to tell you, you can know that. So come and just say, I want to trust Jesus tonight. I believe there are those to whom the Lord's speaking about becoming a part of this church family. Would you do this? on the very first stanza, whether you're alone or whether you're with other family members or with other friends, would you just make your way to this altar and find a counselor and just say, look, I want to join the church or we want to join the church. What a wonderful night to do that. What an opportunity to do that. I want to join the church. I want to be a part of this church. They'll talk with you and pray with you. We'll welcome you with open arms tonight. So I would encourage you to do that. If you've made a decision recently in one of our services and have joined our church and you're not a have never been introduced to our church family, well, I want to encourage you to come on the very first stands and just be seated over here where it says uh, seating for new members over to, to my left, to your right there. 
just go over there and be seated if you've already come and joined our church but never been introduced. Well, it's your invitation. What a wonderful time to worship the Lord. Father, once again, I pray, trusting that your Holy Spirit will bring us to this altar to say yes to you. And I pray it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Let's sing together. And you just come and join these, some of who are already here at this altar. You're just saying yes to that which the Lord has spoken to your heart. With all Amen. my heart.